Amen. I'm going to have to change those words to I'm going to see my Jesus someday. Amen. Be bold, be strong as the brothers come receive the evening offering if they don't mind. Oh, be bold, be strong, for the Lord thy God is with thee. Be bold, be strong, for the Lord thy God is with thee. Oh, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed, walk in faith and victory, walk in faith and Walk in faith and victory for the Lord, thy God is with thee. Be bold, be strong, for the Lord thy God is with thee. Be bold, be strong, for the Lord thy God is with thee. Oh, do not
always with us. Try whose report will you believe? It's been a while since we tried that one. <clears throat> Tell me whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. Tell me whose report. Sing your praise, Lord. 
I love to sing your praise, Lord. I love the sound of your name. Oh, it fills me with peace, washes over me like a sweet gentle rain. Oh, I love to sing your praise, Lord. It brings the victory. No matter what I face, all of my days I love to sing praise oh I love to sing oh I love the sound of your name it fills me with peace washes over me like a sweet gentle rain oh I love to sing the praise Lord it brings a victory Appreciate our musicians. Appreciate Brother Uriel filling in again. I didn't even think about the fact that he's probably never played any of the songs I picked tonight, but he's doing wonderful. So I'm certainly proud of all of our musicians. Thankful the Lord has provided for us here. In your presence. Excuse me. In your presence. That's where I am strong In your presence Oh Lord my God In your presence That's where I belong Seeking your face Touching
in his presence. You can be oh so down and the presence of the Lord come around, just lift you right up, strengthen you. You could have been so weak before, but he will make you strong. It's a strength and energy that humans really don't understand. But we know it comes from him. Amen. We'll go ahead and go to the Lord at this time. I'm just so thankful for what the Lord's doing. I'm so thankful to be a part of this this church here, this ministry. I know I'm not the only one. A lot of most everybody here says it all the time, but no place else, no place else I'd rather be. I know we have Brother Isaiah Brooks Church represented here with Brother Liz Paul tonight, but no place else I'd rather be than right here in Covington, Georgia. Amen. Let's continue to remember Brother Basile for the surgery on Tuesday. Not asking God to do it, but thanking him for already doing it. And Sister Marilyn has an appointment with the GI doctor this Thursday. Same thing. We're thanking the Lord for a clean, clean report. All will be well. No issues at all. Whatever there might have been there will be gone. That's just the way we believe here. Amen. And remember those, the different ones I meant to mention about Sister Nellie's son this morning. And I just forgot. So if you can remember um, Sister Nellie. Uh, Sister Nellie's a sweetheart. Haven't got to see her, I guess, at all since COVID. But remember Sister Nellie and then I think uh, Sister Sherry, that family, and Sister Frankie and that family as well. That's, that's a lot of memorials in one day to be associated with one church. But we know God can comfort and give peace like nobody else can. Amen. Brother Cammie, you mind coming up here to take us to the Lord in prayer this evening? Anybody have an unspoken prayer request? Man, I certainly appreciate Brother Cammie. He's been a good friend to me here, even when I haven't deserved it. Certainly appreciate him. God bless you, saints. This song really touched my heart this afternoon. I want to thank the Lord for it. I really appreciate the message um, this morning where Brother Daniel talked about the symphony. The symphony has really changed. Uh, brothers and sisters, because if you look at your life, you're not the same person. You're not the same being. Been down here for 18 years. <clears throat> and uh, I know where I used to go to church, love the pastor and everything like that. But, you know, uh, a lot of it was legalism, too. But I want to thank the Lord for our church. We have something special. We have something different here. And uh, I'm not exalting, brother, you know, our Pastor Daniel as a, a, a man. But I really appreciate what God is doing in his life. And the word of God is really changing us. It's changing our minds. It's changing the way we think. Now, like I said, 18 years ago, I know where I was. You know, I wasn't living in sin or anything, but, you know, you know where you were. And to where I'm at right now, I really want to thank the Lord with all my heart. I'm seeing things clearly now, especially for the past couple of months, the things that he's been preaching. Uh, I really want to thank the Lord because the word of the Lord will really change your mind. Uh, word of God comes and, and really changes your whole outlook in life. It changes the way you think. It changes 
your whole being. And uh, we are all living epistles, brothers and sisters. I was witnessing to uh, uh, Brother Will in the car with Brother Terrence and my brother <laughs> Caleb over, over here. Um, it just, you know, just testifying. Can I just go a minute? I just want to say, you know, God calls us here to be uh, a, a part of a local body. And Brother Daniel can't go out to our friends and families. And the word that he's preaching should really get in the heart of each and every one of us for us to touch families and to touch people out there. And what we were talking about in the truck was, you know, we're here to, to, to touch people. We're here to exemplify the word of God, Jesus Christ in flesh, because these people will never see Jesus. We haven't seen Jesus in the flesh. So my point is, uh, saints of God, uh, we have to be not just coming here as churchgoers. This is the way the Lord is dealing with me, and we should not have a, a heart of judgment and condemnation to people that live certain lies. I, I, I'm in this situation where I told my wife, you know, as a human person, you start judging people. And, you know, people judge themselves too, but you start uh, uh, accumulating certain ideas about their lifestyle and the way they live and stuff like that. And you start, let's be honest, start judging them. But when you really talk to some of these people, they build like a fortress around them that you cannot really penetrate. But you can't. The word of God can penetrate through if they see a genuine Christian life being lived. You know, people, that certain person, I couldn't even talk to her, <laughs> you know, but God allowed, you know, and I was telling my wife, I'm like, wow, she really stopped and really listened to what I have to say. So I believe that, you know, as a son of God, we could really change people. We're here to, to, to minister to people. We're here to really exemplify the life of Jesus Christ. And I, and I got to tell you, saints, when I surrendered my life to the Lord, it was like hell on earth for me at the, in, in the house. Nobody was believers. Nobody was Christians, folks. Okay, I'm telling you right now, the road we walk in is, is a tough road, but God's got your back. I remember there was a time I told Sharon when I got married, I said, I have to go and sleep at a brother's house. It got so bad at the house where, you know, I couldn't even sleep there. So I thank the Lord for what he's doing in my life, knowing where I came from and where I'm at right now. I just want to thank uh, y'all. I want to thank the, the church. I want to thank my pastor. I am so thankful and so grateful to be part of Word of Life Tabernacle. And that's all I wanted to say, a quick testify. Uh, let's go before the Lord. Heavenly Father God, I just want to say thank you, Lord. I know the season is changing, Father God. Symphony is changing. Note is changing, Father God. Lord, you call warriors, Lord Jesus Christ, and I pray that your Holy Spirit will help each and every one of us tonight, Lord, not to just come here and just listen to our pastor, but Lord God, just to really listen and hear with, all, with our hearts, Lord God, and Lord Jesus Christ, and to leave these doors, to really live this life, because what's the point of Brother Daniel preaching and preaching, and we're not living, living it, we're not using what he's given us father i just pray heavenly father god that you help us lord god not to just hear but to really listen father god to the word of the lord tonight lord heavenly father i pray god that you comfort the hearts of you know sister nelly and the different ones 
oh God, Sister Frankie, there's different ones among us, Lord God, that's going through a hard time right now. Oh God, I know you're the almighty God that could comfort them, Lord God. I know we have, I've had lost ones that's been gone. My daddy's gone, and it's hard, Lord Jesus Christ, especially when you didn't have much of a relationship. It's really, really tough, oh God, but I know you're the great comforter, Lord God. You could come and touch these people's lives and give them strength, oh God. Oh, Lord Jesus Christ, we invite your spirit. We invite your presence in this place. God, we love you with all of our hearts, Lord God. We love our pastor. We are so, so grateful. I know I'm, I am, Lord God. I know how I was, where I was 18 years ago and till now, God. I, I'm so thankful, God, and so grateful to you, oh God. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We invite your presence. We invite your spirit here tonight. In your precious name we pray. Man, forgive me, I forgot to mention again about my pastor's knee surgery tomorrow, but I know it's on all of our minds. We're all, we, I know we haven't forgotten, but just once again, we thank the Lord in advance for a perfect surgery and a perfect, unless they get there in the morning and they say he don't need it. I believe that can still happen too. Amen. Wouldn't that be something? I don't know how I'd act. I might just act a fool at work tomorrow if that happens. Amen. I know my God is more than able. Amen. Amen. It just comes to my mind, Pastor mentioned this, mor this morning, I will praise the Lord. That's key of F. Let's try that one as we invite our pastor out this evening. <clears throat> oh, I will praise the Lord. Yes, I will praise.
saying to acknowledge no matter what tomorrow brings because we don't know what tomorrow will bring we make plans we have schedules we think we know maybe what we're going to do tomorrow but we really don't we could wake up in the morning and our life be completely turned around and changed there were people this morning that woke up expecting certain things and things didn't happen like they thought. That quick your life can be turned around changed. Not only for the worse, but for the better. And I believe tonight the Lord Jesus is walking the aisles of this church tonight. And that quick our lives can be changed. Situations can be turned around. No matter what tomorrow brings, whether it's good, whether it's bad, I will praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord. No matter what tomorrow brings, what it has in store, I will praise the Lord. Jesus. Amen. That's what makes him God. An object of worship is what makes him God. Isaiah chapter 5. It's good to be back in the house of the Lord. Amen. Welcome everybody. This evening, those that are streaming, God bless you. This evening, those that will be archiving, may God bless you as well. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 5, we'll go back to what we looked at this morning and probably end up going 17 different directions again, but 
<laughs> That's just sometimes the way God does things because he, he wants everybody to be blessed. So we're all at different places in our lives. So he will go this way and touch this one, and then when he's done with that one, he'll go this way and touch this one, and when he's done that, he'll go this way. and People wonder why wow, the pastor, man, he's, he's all over the place. Well, so is the people that's here. And so God has to take the man of God different places to touch every life. If you've come to be ministered to, he's here to minister to you. Brother Ram said, it's your needs that gets his attention. And we all have needs tonight. Amen. Isaiah 5 verse 11. <clears throat> Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning that they may follow strong drink that continue until night till wine inflame them. This was a time where Judah had backslidden in the sight of God and uh, history tells us that strong drink, wine, and strong drink had uh, overtaken uh, the tribe of Judah, that they were absolutely had become drunkards. And uh, so this is why God is dealing with this at this particular time uh, in this uh, chapter of Isaiah. He says, woe unto them that rise up early. This is Now when they first get up, the first thing they think about is I need a drink. And then all day long that they may follow strong drink that continue until night. From morning till night, they're drinking. Now you have to understand that when a person drinks or a person does drugs or a person gambles or a person does addictive things, has addictive qualities in their lives, it is because there is something in them that is searching. So don't be too quick to judge. Because something inside of them is searching. And that's why people become addicts, severe addicts. They become dependent upon certain things. It's because they're lacking something. And so they think they can find it in a bottle. They think they can find it in a needle. They think they can find it in women. They think they can find it in gambling or whatever the case may be. And they always come up empty. But I know tonight the master of the wind. I know the one that can satisfy the thirst. And I know the one that can quench, that can feed the hunger. If you don't know him, tonight's the night to get to know him. I don't want to know about him. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Amen. Verse 12, and the harp and the viol and the tabret and the pipe and wine are in their feasts. But they regard not the work of the Lord. Neither consider the operation of his hands. Therefore, my people are gone into captivity. Now, they were not captive by another country. They were captive to the things in their life. They have become enslaved to strong drink. They have become enslaved to entertainment. They have become enslaved to life. And did not regard or consider the operation of his hands. Therefore, he said, my people have gone into captivity. In other words, they had made themselves slaves. Because they have no knowledge and their honorable men are famished. And their multitude dried up with thirst. Therefore, hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure. 
that's hard to comprehend. And their glory and their multitude and their pomp. And he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. And the mean men shall be brought down and the mighty man shall be humbled. And the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled. But the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment. And God that is holy shall be sanctified in righteousness. Then shall the lambs feed after their manner, and the waste places of the fat ones shall, shall strangers eat. Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity, and sin as it were with a cart rope, that say, let him make speed and hasten his work, that we may see it. And let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come, that we may know it, as if they didn't already know him. And all the things that he had done up to this point. It's a really sad, sad situation to read about. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. That put darkness for light and light for darkness. That's a strong deception. To actually acknowledge darkness is light and light is darkness. I have never bitten into anything or tried to eat something that was bitter and said, my, that sure is sweet. If I bite into something or try to eat something that is bitter, I spit it out. But the deception of this generation is now bitter is sweet. Sweet is bitter. Evil is good and good is evil. But woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward. Friend, we are in that generation that people are rewarded for wickedness rather than being put in places they need to be put and justice being done for sin and wickedness, but they're being rewarded. Just a couple of years ago during the pandemic when all the rioting and all the looting and all the things that was going on, why aren't them people in prison? Because of politics. Because of... Weak-spined men that would not uphold the law. But instead, in the midst of all that, they were talking about defunding the police. That's the generation we live in. Which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble and the flame consumeth the chaff, so their root shall be as rottenness. And their blossoms shall go up as dust because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Lord, excuse me, word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore is the anger of the Lord kindled against his people. And he hath stretched forth his hand against them and hath smitten them. And the hills did tremble and their carcasses were torn in the midst of the streets. For all this his anger is not turned away. But his hand is stretched out still. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. You can be seated this evening.
Judges chapter 21. Judges 21, just one verse there, the last verse, verse 25. Now, obviously, this is after the death of Moses, after the death of Joshua. There was no prophet. There was no king. There was no one to rule Israel. They was being judged by judges. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right. In his own eyes. Again we are living in those days. The Bible says in Genesis 6-5. And I want to get it. Make sure I get it uh, exactly the way that it, it is written. Genesis 6-5. And God saw the wickedness of man was great. This is in the days of Noah. The wicked, saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Luke 17 says, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And we are living in an hour to where this, this uh, scenario that happened in the days of Noah is again happening today. We have people that their mind is on, the, or the, the thoughts of their heart is only on evil Continually. This is what drives them to live. This is what, what motivates them to get up in the morning is only evil continually. And the, and the sad, one of the most saddest things that you'll witness in life is if you see a, a person that is being judged for certain crimes, if you happen to see a newscast or a part of a video or whatever of, of, the, new, of the courtroom where the, the, uh, the accused person uh, of certain crimes is sitting there with no remorse. Does not bother them that they have done what they have done and taken the lives of people or done what whatever they've done. And there's no remorse. Uh, they're not sorry. They're not re repentant. That's the hour that we're living in. And that spirit, my friends, I'm sorry to say, is also in the ranks of churches. Because the zeal of the hour of Laodicea is to repent. But yet it's so difficult for some reason for people just to say, I'm sorry, I wronged you. But instead they let it go on and go on. And the longer you let things go on, the harder it is to make it right. If God puts something on your heart, if you've wronged somebody and you've done something you shouldn't have done to them or said something about them, that you shouldn't have said, be quick to repent. Because the more that you practice repentance, the easier it is to repent. But when you put it off, it's like anything that God tells you to do. The longer you put it off, the less He'll deal with you about it. Then eventually, your conscience will be seared. And then you'll have no remorse about anything. Then you'll continue to do it more and more and more because there is no conviction there is nothing in them that makes them feel bad about what they've done. And that is a horrible place for people to come to. To where they wrong somebody and it doesn't bother them. We are living in that generation, my friend, that it doesn't bother people. I, I, this afternoon, uh, I do this 
almost daily just check the headlines of the news just to see what is going on because I live in a little old uh, country town of Monroe, Georgia, and there's not a whole lot that goes on. So just to try to keep up with what's going on in the world news, I'll turn on uh, on my iPad, on my app, on the Fox News, and I did it this afternoon, and I wished I hadn't have. But I clicked the Fox News app, and right there on the front page, and it's probably still there, was all these drag queens and homosexuals and perverts and dressed up in the most brightest colors and horrible attire. And this is what they this is what their cry was to the world. We are coming for your children. If you want to look it up for yourself, you can see it. This is what they are saying. These transgender people and drag queens and homosexuals and perverts and lesbians and homosexual people, this is what they are saying. We are coming for your children because they know if they can get a person at a young age, raise up a child in the way it should go. This principle, is a, it works in Christian homes and in non-Christian homes. It's a principle that you train a child in a certain way that makes that child go that direction because they've been trained that way. You take somebody in the military to be just say to be a sniper in the spec ops. Maybe they're a ranger or maybe they're a Navy SEAL or whatever. And, and, and their one objective and their one goal is to take lives. They're a sniper. That's what they do. I've, I've, I've met uh, one particular uh, man that was an army ranger and he was a sniper. And he was trained to take lives. That's what they trained him for. And he come to the place to where he was completely numb. He had killed over 500 men by himself in his military career. And he come to the place to where, and he told me, he said, human life means nothing to me. Because he was trained that way. And if you can take, see, that's what Hitler's idea was, was to get the youth. You study history and you'll find out that Hitler's recruits were teenagers. That he wanted to get them in that in that age group to where he could train them. And, and if you get the children, that's why the cry of these perverts are saying, we're coming for your children. And they want to brainwash them. And they want to tell them things uh, that are not true and try to get them on their side, so to, see, so to speak, politically and get them to think like they think and put things in their mind that, you know, you can be any gender and you can do this and it's okay to do this and it's okay to be this. And if they can get the younger generation, what will it be if God tarries? What will it be in this nation in another decade? If they can get to the children and the school systems, my friend, are largely responsible for the condition of the young people today. It is so sad and it's so amazing to think that, that the, the, our government has now, has now uh, 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 put the, the title of terrorists on parents that are coming against the school systems. Because of the material that is in that school system. Child pornography and sexual perversion and all kinds of things that are, that are in the library books. That are being taught in the classes. That, that the teachers are sending private emails to the children. And telling the children, now don't tell your parents about this. And then when the parents do find out, 
Then they hold this, you know, this hearing with the council of the school and they, they defy what's being done in the local public school and now the parents are being called terrorists. No longer the ones that did what they did in 9-11 are the terrorists. It's the parents that are bucking the system and I'm glad they are. I applaud them for standing up in front of these people that are supposed to be running the school systems and I'm glad they're standing up against it. And, and telling them that, you, that this, this material should not be available to our children, especially at this age. They shouldn't be reading these things. They shouldn't know these things that, 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 that is in these books. Being able to check these books out of the library, or however, however they do it now, and, and it's readily available to children in public schools. And, and any parent that has the brass about them to stand up against government schools is now being called the terrorists. And some of them are being jailed for it. They're being escorted out of the room by police because they dare to defy the government because they're trying to protect their children and they have every right to do so. Because if my children were in public schools, I would be in the front of the line. Come on, somebody. They're not going to indoctrinate my children without me saying something. Or I'll, I'll yank them out in a heartbeat. I'm not going to allow government to decide what my children learn in an educational system. Can you say amen? It's, it, listen, we've got to protect them. If we don't protect them, who will? Because they're certainly not doing it. Obviously, by what I said this morning about abortion, they care nothing about life. They certainly don't care about the children. They will, they will put on the front page of Fox News from these perverts, we are coming for your children. And they will get to some of them. They have already got to some of them. And they are, if you listen to the message Shalom in 64, you will hear Brother Branham talking about man is not man anymore. Man, as he said, is supposed to be burly and, you know, and, and, and be a man, you know, and have man attributes. He said, but now men are becoming feminine. Now, this is his 1964. You didn't hear about things like this back then, but being a prophet, a vindicated prophet, he's looking into the future. He lives half of his life in another dimension to where he can see what's coming. Not only did he see a bride coming down the road, a church, a mighty church that's going to do mighty supernatural things under the third pool, but he also seen the, the, the perversion and the violence and all the garbage that is on the road as well, telling us that men want to act like women and women want to act like men. He says it, he talks all about it in Shalom in 64 and tells us that that gross darkness, he takes it from Isaiah 60, uh, verse 1 and 2. That gross, not just darkness, but gross darkness is upon the people. But we are told to arise and let our light shine. Because understand this, my friend, we are the only light this world has. I'm speaking of the bride collectively, not just this church. I'm not that stupid. 
the bride collectively over the uh, entire earth is the only light that is shining right now. Everybody else is not just in darkness. They're in darkness like the days when, it, when Israel was in Goshen in Egypt and darkness fell as one of the plagues. It wasn't just darkness. It was darkness that could be felt. You don't know dark. I've never felt darkness. I've never reached out and felt darkness. You haven't either. But it was so dark that you could feel it. But the Bible says there was light in Goshen. And I'm here to declare tonight and let the devil and all hell know there's still light in Goshen. It doesn't matter how dark the world gets, God will always have light on the earth. Why do you think, friend, that Israel was led by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night? And in this generation, God comes and shows us a pillar of cloud in the daytime and shows us a pillar of fire in the nighttime. Telling us we're on our way to Canaan's land. As God led the Israelites by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire, He is doing the same thing in this generation. And even made science prove it. The only supernatural being, George J. Lacey, the only supernatural being, the head of the FBI investigative documents, the head of it, said the only supernatural being that has ever been photographed is that one right there. So not only can we say that, but God made the government testify that that was a supernatural light. The pillar of cloud that appeared over Flagstaff, Arizona was put in Life magazine. Interesting, isn't it? That it was put in Life. That's why he sent those in this generation that we might have life and have life more abundantly. Because both of those are still here. Leading the bride into her homeland which is the message of the hour. I don't know if you've noticed or you heard or you've seen here lately the increase in UFO sightings. Well, I've been keeping up with it. And it's amazing that these people are taking uh, pictures and videos of these unidentified flying objects that science and NASA cannot validate. But we can validate it. Now let me give you to understand that if you look it up on the internet you, you'll find what I'm telling you is the truth because I'm a man just like anybody else but I ain't lying to you. I have no reason to lie. The, the, the UFO sightings have been on the increase in this year. And the prophet of God says they are investigating judgment angels. Not just angels. Judgment angels. Just as God sent two angels to Sodom and Gomorrah and one to Abraham, those two that went down to Sodom was investigating angels. And, 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 and just today it made the news again that a UFO 
was photographed. A guy was just taking a picture of his family. And it just so happened while he took the picture of his family, behind them in the sky was an unidentified flying object. And so when they send these in, the, uh, NASA and science and whoever studies these things cannot validate what they are. Because obviously when you blow them up, and with technology they can do that, and not lose a whole lot of the quality and still see it pretty clear, it's not an airplane, it's not a satellite, it's not something that the government did. We are told by a prophet what they are. And listen, how close are we to a body change? If the, if the, if the increase of UFO sightings have, are happening now, and when those two angels went to Sodom, that was the last sign that was given to those cities before destruction hit. How close are we to God's wrath and God's judgment falling upon this earth? Because Brother Branham tells us exactly what they are. They're not just strange lights in the, in the sky. They're not just whatever. He said they are investigating judgment angels. And if God sent them then, just before the fire fell, and God is again sending them now, fire is fixed to fall. The same order that he did then is the same order in which he's going to do it today. The fire is fixed to fall. But before that fire falls, before that exterior fire falls out there, the fire is going to fall on the bride. Hello, somebody. A supernatural fire that's going to bring the bride to her place and her position because when she knows who she is, the rapture will go. Praise the Lord. The conditions of the last day, uh, Paul tells us, I read it this morning in 2 Timothy 3, uh, he goes through all these things that to, to be looking out for uh, in the last days. And as I said this morning, we could go through every one of them and prove beyond the shadow of any doubt that every last one of them that Paul listed is happening now. Not just happening, but rampant. Out of control. And every man, just like the book of Judges declares, every man is doing what's right in their own eyes. But see, the bride does not want to do what's right in her eyes. That's why God inspired men to write the Bible so that we could do what's right in His eyes, not right in our own eyes. It's not right because the world says it's right. It's not wrong because the world says it's wrong. It's right or wrong because the Word of God says it's right or wrong. And some things should not even be questionable. I do realize there are some things that are kind of gray because they're not maybe listed the way that the, the wording that we use today. Certain things that we're dealing with right now is not listed that way in the Scriptures. Neither is most of them listed in the message. That's why we need the Holy Ghost to be our leader and our guider, our guider to lead us and guide us into all truth. Because there's some things we're dealing with right now we don't have a quote for. Some things we're dealing with we don't have a scripture for. I'm just being honest. There's people come to me about certain things and I say, look, there's no quote, there's no scripture, so you know what? 
You pray, you ask God, whichever way God leads you, that's the way you go. That's why it is imperative that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ so He can lead you. When there's a question that no man has the answer for, He always has the answer. If you'll just be still, but the Bible says when you've done all you can do, just stand. Just wait on the Lord. If you wait on the Lord, He'll renew your strength. You can rise like the eagles. You'll walk and not faint. You'll run and not be weary. Hello, somebody. If you'll wait on the Lord. But we get so busy. We're so tied up in Laodicea. We got so many things going. There is People's got time for nothing and nobody. Everybody's schedule is almost full from the time. We're not doing like the tribe of Judah. We're not drinking from daylight to dark. But we're doing something. We're busy. And see, in the days of Noah and also in the days and the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they married, they given in marriage. Those things are not wrong. But what the Bible is telling us, they got caught up in life. Life had consumed them. They had come, they had become captives of their own lives. They didn't take time to pray. They didn't time to take time to seek God. Didn't take time to read their Bible. I mean, really read their Bible. I ain't talking about skimming through it. Well, quiet, boy. We want to get close to God. We want to be sure we make a rapture and a body change, and we ain't got time to read the Bible. And we got it, most of it got, us, got it on our phones as an app. You don't even have to read it. You can have uh, several different men read it to you. How lazy can a man be? We get so busy, we don't have time to read the Bible. So I'll just put it on my phone and have it playing while I'm, you know, have a, while I'm working and while I'm doing this. Well, you ain't listening to what he's saying. You ain't hearing what's being read. Y'all ain't, y'all, y'all ain't pulling tonight, so I guess I'll have to pull the cart myself tonight. We get so caught up that we can't even stop and take time. Oh, but see, if we have something important, we make a schedule with an appointment. Like I got an appointment in the morning at 5.45. I'm not a morning person. I hate the mornings. Especially Monday morning. Brother Bram told the, excuse me, the pastor's wives, let him sleep in. He's tired from the day before. Monday mornings is my mornings to just stay in a coma. I don't even want a fly buzzing around me. Don't bother me. Leave me alone. But I've got, a, I've got an appointment in the morning. I've got to be at the hospital at 5.45. Sometimes I don't go to bed till 5.45. But see, this is important enough for, to me to get my knee fixed that I, I won't even need to set my alarm. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead. It's been it's been a it's been a minute since I've been hunting, but it, hunting's in my blood. It's in my DNA. It's who I am. I love to hunt, and and and, and when I'm on a hunting trip, uh, if I'm going hunting with uh, some of you brothers or whatever, and, and we have to get up early the next morning to you know you know sneak in, you know, the Mohican sneak, the Cherokee sneak, you know get into the woods. Nobody knows you're there. Uh, everything in the woods knows you're there. <laughs> We paint our face, at least I do. I paint my face up like an Indian at war. I get all decked up in mossy oak camouflage. I slip in there as quiet as I can. 
The sun ain't, ain't, ain't even broke over the horizon yet. There ain't even a ray of sunlight nowhere. And I, most of the time, I didn't even need to set my alarm. My body clock. My body love. <laughs> I love hunting so much that I pop up wide awake. Don't need coffee. Don't need a latte. Don't need cappuccino. Don't need whatever those shots are they put in there to make you go through the roof. What are they, I don't even know what they call them at Starbucks. They put a shot or something in there to make you crazy. Yeah. You, you know he drinks it. I understand sometimes you need it, but, uh, but let me tell you a little, little story that happened a couple of weeks ago. There's a guy that, that I watched some of his videos, hunting videos on YouTube. Um, he was feeling like uh, uh, weak, and he needed some quick energy, so he took a Red Bull, and he emptied it, and he had a stroke. And for days and days, he was in a stroke. And, and, and his mouth was drawn and his, sleep, his speech, some of you know him, his channel is Deer, Deer Meat for Dinner. And, 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 and his speech was slurred and it threw him by taking that Red Bull that most, most people drink these things to get a quick high, quick buzz, quick energy. And then the, the downer afterwards, the crash. Oh, it's quiet. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not preaching this for doctrine. I, I'm just telling you to be careful. Because your body was not meant to take that much of whatever is in there at, at one time. He just took that thing, popped the tab, and just downed it. And an hour later, he's had a stroke. He's in the hospital. We're, we're living in a time to where people need uppers for the day and then some to go to sleep. See, back in the day, a man would work. He would eat right. He would work his job throughout the day and your body produces a thing called melatonin and serotonin to make you sleep naturally. Men back in the day didn't need anything to work. They didn't need something to give them energy because they ate right. They didn't, they didn't stuff their face with Twinkies and cupcakes. Hello. Most of our diets aren't right. That's why we're up and down and up and down and up and down quiet in here. Amen. No, I'm not preaching on gluttony. I'm preaching on wisdom. Because right. if I preached on gluttony, most people in here will bow their head. Oh God, make him shut up now. But this, this world has, has indoctrinated us that you need this. You know, take a five-hour energy and you need, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm not preaching this for doctrine. I'm just telling you to be careful. Because bad things are happening to people when they think they need quick energy. And then at night, they need something to slow them down. What's that doing to our system? I'm going to tell you what it's doing to our system. It's making your body not produce naturally what God tells it to produce naturally. You are naturally supposed to go to sleep on your own. You shouldn't need no help. And if you eat right, halfway decent, you'll have enough energy to go through the day. But because of advertising and because of, of, of everything that goes around us, when you go into a, you know, into a quick mart or wherever, Circle K, Racetrack or whatever, then you have to have some, oh, I'm tired. I need something to pep me up. And, th and, that, and that's what this generation has done. 
It's fast and slow, fast and slow, fast and slow, fast and slow. You see, like, amen. <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes, amen. <laughs> Training them up right. God bless you. <laughs> I hope they got that on video. <laughs> uh, the loudest one in here. How old is she? Two. <laughs> she out amen to everybody in this place. A two-year-old. Amen. We, what happens, friend? We end up being guinea pigs. <laughs> we end up being, listen, we, that's why you, don't get in a habit of just praying over your food the same prayer every time. Really, I mean this sincerely because I've been guilty of doing it myself. We don't know what they spray on these things. We don't know what kind of insecticides and pesticides and all color, uh, 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 other different sides and everything else they put in. We don't know. You better pray over it. Because food today is not what food was back 50 years ago. There are so many preservatives and things that are put in our food. What's it doing to us? That's why people in their 20s are dropping dead with heart attacks. The Bible said, let me move on. I, I, time's running out and people's tired. I get it. The Bible says that their, the thoughts of their heart was only e evil Continually. So as it was, and it was so bad, church. It was so bad in Noah's day that the next verse says this. It repented the Lord. Now you can't get no worse. You cannot get no worse than making God repent. I'm talking about evil. I'm talking about violence. I'm talking about what we're seeing in the streets of major cities in our country. I'm talking about mass shootings in schools and post offices and places of business. Only evil continually. And they want to take our guns from us. Like the gun is the one that's killing the people. That's as dumb as a fork making you fat. I'm overweight, so I'm going to take all my forks away. I've gained 20 pounds in six months, so I'm going to destroy all my forks. There's some people in this world, my friend, that don't use forks. There are more killings, there are more killings with knives and other implements than there is with rifles. And then we're to come against the AR. They don't even know what AR means. They don't know if it's a clip or a magazine. They have no idea the, uh, what they're coming against. They think that you know because of the mass shootings is because we shouldn't let people have guns as if it's the gun's problem. No, it's the heart that's the problem. It's not a gun problem. It's not a weapon problem. If, if a person wants to kill somebody and the thoughts of their heart is only evil continually, they'll kill them with a pencil. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes. 
I talked to that man I mentioned a few minutes ago that was a sniper, an army ranger sniper. He told me out of his own mouth. He said, Brother Daniel, he said, I'm more dangerous with my hands than I am with a gun. Because I've been trained in hand-to-hand combat. I can take the life of a human being with just my hands. I don't need a weapon. So what are we going to do next? Start cutting off people's fingers? And then, then because it's come from the government and they, they, they put it before the people and the, these, these people that just believe anything the government says, then they start the protest against the Second Amendment. And they're just a bunch of morons. Listen, I have, I have quite a few guns and I've never been charged with murder. You know why? Because my guns are not going to shoot themselves. I have to operate it. So it's not, a, it's not a weapon problem. It's a people problem. It's a heart problem. It's a sin problem. But this nation don't want to declare what the real problem is because the ones making the laws have a heart problem too. But they want to make society believe and think that, that it's another problem. So we'll deal with this and we'll take away your Second Amendment. Do you think for one second, if they took away our Second Amendment and, and took away our guns, do you think that the crime rate is going to drop? No. That's idiocy. That's asinine. It's not going to drop because that's not the problem. This nation has turned away and rejected God. And in 1956, it was over for her. And she was indicted in 1963. I don't care if you take every gun from every person. It's a sin problem. And I'm going to tell you one of the major problems in this nation is a lack of men in the pulpit with a backbone to preach against sin. The Bible says the heart is Desperately wicked above all things. And here in Noah's day, it was so bad, God repented that he had even made man. Now we've got the days of Noah and the days of Lot combined in this generation. I wonder if God's repenting now. This was just a day of violence. In the days of Noah, it wasn't sexual perversion. And in the days of Sodom, it wasn't violence. But now we've got both of them combined. And if God would repent just because of the violence, and God would uh, destroy four cities of the plain, he spared one for Lot. If, If he would destroy four cities of the plains because of sexual perversion, And now we've got both of them combined in this generation. I promise you, you do not want to be here when the tribulation sets in. If you think the flood was bad, if you think the fire that fell in the days of Sodom was bad, friend, you ain't seen nothing. And I promise you, you don't want to see this. The Bible says that this fire will be so hot that elements will burn men will seek to die will try to die 
because of the horrific things that they are seeing and, and things that are going on during the tribulation. They will look for death and cannot find it because God knows that's an easy way out. And God's not going to allow them to die. God's going to make them suffer for three and a half years of tribulation. And all the times that God poured out his wrath on different times and different cities and different people in the, in, the, in the Bible holds no candle to what's in store for this world, especially America. Because in this generation, the prophet came from this nation. And this nation has more to give an account for than any other country. Because God brought up, raised up a prophet from this nation. So she's got more to answer for than any other nation. I don't want to be here and I promise you, you don't. And I'm not trying to scare people into giving their heart to God. I'm just telling you, I promise you, you don't want to be here. And if your heart's not right with God, you need to get saved anyway. Don't get saved because of a fear of the tribulation. You get saved because of what God because of what God has done for you and your gratitude and your gratefulness and your love back to him. He gave his life for me, so I'm going to give my life for him. A life for a life. Listen, I'm not afraid of going to hell because I know deep down in my heart I deserve hell. Come on somebody. The only way any of us are going to make it into heaven is by one word and it's grace. Ain't none of us good enough to spend eternity with God. But because of amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I'm going to be there. Not of any works lest I should boast. But only because of amazing grace will any of us make it. I'm going to tell you, you need, we need to thank God every day of our life for His grace. The fact that you drove this afternoon from one from point A to point B and you made it alive was grace. The fact that your belly is full right now, the fact you have your right mind, the fact that God has done these things for you. What else do we need? And I'm going to tell you, if God never blesses me carnally in another way, the fact that God has opened my eyes to truth, vindicated truth in this hour, we've got so much to thank Him for. Because all, all the blessings, all the other things of the world is not going to get us in a rapture. It's not going to put us in a body change. Come on, somebody. And the only reason you see what you see it's because of the grace of God. The only reason you're not in gross darkness is because of the grace of God. So don't look down your nose at people that are in darkness. Because had it not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? I'd be right there with them and so would you. You know, if, if, I, I, I have to close this down because... Most of you know about what happened about that mini submarine that went down to try to look at the Titanic. And then they're trying to, no pun intended, but they're trying to put the pieces together as to what happened. 
And these people that went down paid nearly, uh, I, I'm getting different numbers. I don't know exactly what they paid. Somewhere up, somewhere's up to $300,000 per person. And my question is this. Why would somebody want to go down and look at a boat that God cursed? These men, these architects and these builders built this boat in such a way to where they made a challenge to God. They thought they had built the super ship. The super cruise ship. That not even God could sink it. And God says, okay, we'll see. And on its maiden voyage, God didn't just sink it, He broke it in half. Broke it in half. They had seven warnings. But because they was in a drunken stupor on a ship to where they had been told not even God could sink it. So they're thinking in their mind, why should I give heed to a warning? I'm on a ship. I'm comfortable. I'm okay. They're telling me through their intellect and their wisdom and their education, not even God can sink it. So what am I worried about a warning for? Seven times they said iceberg ahead, iceberg ahead, and they ignored all seven. And in seven church ages, there was a warning given. In every age, God give a warning. And those that turned it down, God divorced her. Who in the world would want to go down two and a half miles deep in a mini submarine that you can't even stand up in? If you ain't a claustrophobic when you get in it, you'll be one when you get out of it. And these people paying somewhere up to $300,000 a person to see a sunken ship. But I wonder if they had the chance to do it over again. I wonder how many would make a different choice. I wonder if people like Elvis, Michael Jackson, one that just passed away, Tina Turner, I wonder if these people was given one last opportunity. I wonder if they would not travel the world giving out warnings. Don't do what I did. Don't follow in my footsteps. Don't try to be like me. They wouldn't be quiet if they had another chance to come back to earth. Because you remember the rich young ruler. You remember him in hell? Wanting somebody to go tell him. And God said, no, they have the prophets. They already have the word. I'm not giving them no more warnings. They already have the word. Come on, somebody. There ain't no more warnings to be given to this nation. God has already indicted this nation. This nation is done. She had her last sign. Prophet of God said in seventh seal, this is, thus saith the Lord, this is your last sign. And if another one rises up after me, call me a false prophet. 
How close are we, my friend? The symphony has changed. And I'm going to tell you this, it ain't changing again. This is the final change. We are that close to getting out of here. The symphony's not changing anymore. We're at the end of the song. We're coming to the final. The finality. The finale is fixing to happen. The song is coming to an end. We're following the sheep music. We're watching our conductor. And he's letting us know we have flipped the last page. The symphony has changed for the last time. The last page has turned. Listen to me, friend. The Holy Spirit is prophesying to us tonight. It's fixing to be all over. Listen, Noah preached for 120 years, but there came a day. It was his last sermon. And after 120 years, no doubt these people thought, man, 120 years, I got plenty of time. But one last time, Noah got up and said, you know what? I was in prayer last night, and I was... I was seeking Jehovah and I was talking to the Lord and maybe somebody in the audience thinking, he's going to preach a different sermon this time. I'm so sick of hearing rain. I've heard it for 120 years. Nothing but rain, rain, rain. Maybe Noah got up and said, you know, I was in prayer last night. 2.30 in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, I was seeking the Lord, talking to the Lord. People thinking, oh my, he's going a different direction. He's He's not going to preach on rain. And maybe Noah said, I'm just dramatizing. Maybe Noah said, and all of a sudden he came to me and he said, you tell him tomorrow. It's going to rain. He did it again. And for 120 years, not one drop fell. Oh, some of you are too tired. You ate too much. Lack of oxygen to your brain. You can't think straight. A hundred and twenty years, not one drop fell from the sky. So who's going to believe a man? Who's going to believe a man that's preached the same message for 120 years and not one drop has fallen from the sky? But that last morning, when all of a sudden the supernatural began to swirl around the earth, and started causing animals to go. God leading animals. If God can lead animals, He can certainly lead us. Two by two, seven by seven, here they come, marching. You would have thought. I mean, how deep in, in stupidity are people? Deep and dumb, stuck and stupid. Watching this supernatural event as these animals got more sense than people. Climb aboard. And not one person followed them. How in the world, other than a supernatural event, could this happen? You would have thought these people would have recognized, hey, there's something to this. There's got to be something to this because animals can tell the weather. Absolutely they can. Brother Bram tells us to watch the animals. He even said if you go fishing, watch the cows. 
He said, if the cows ain't feeding, don't waste your time because the fish ain't biting. <laughs> Animals know more about the weather than the weatherman on Channel 2. They start marching onto the ark. And the specifications that God gave to Noah was just enough room to fit the animals that God wanted on the ark. And just enough beds for eight people. Well, Brother Daniel, then why in God's name did he preach to people for 120 years? Because God has to give warning before he sends judgment. But God knew there was only going to be eight saved. God didn't have Noah build an ark that was going to save the world. Because he knew by predestination, according to foreknowledge, that there was only going to be eight saved. But God is long-suffering. Not willing that any should perish. So he allows Noah, because it took 120 years to build the thing. So God couldn't close the door with it half finished. So he had to preach for 120 years until it's completed. Now when it's complete, the ark is complete. Now remember how this happened. This flood that's coming is going to destroy every living thing in the world. But it's going to save these animals and eight people in this ark. So it's got to be specially made. That only God can be the architect. Remember how he done it? He said, cut down this tree and take the pitch. The sap. Which is the life of the tree. And you take the pitch. And you take this gopher wood. That sinks. Gopher wood don't float. Some of y'all didn't know that? Gopher wood is very porous. Got holes all in it. Throw it in the water. It don't float. All the way to the bottom. So God said you cut down this tree. You take the life out of this tree. And then the gopher wood. You take it and you pitch it. You take the life because there had to be a tree. Cut down. Remember in the desert when the waters were bitter. For Israel. And they had nothing to drink for days. And they come to a spring and there was water. But all of a sudden they said, back up. No, it's bitter. But all of a sudden the scripture goes on to say, but God showed Moses a tree. (laughs) Go read it. God showed Moses a tree. And he cut the tree down and threw the tree in the water. What is water? Peoples and multitudes of people. And when he threw the tree in the water, the water turned from bitter to sweet. What was you when he found you? You was bitter. But when the tree come in contact with you, it changed you and transformed you from bitterness to sweetness. So there had to be a tree cut down. And the life of that tree didn't just go on the inside. But he said, pitch it on the inside and pitch it on the outside. That way it can stand the flood. 
it will take you all the way through the 40 days and the 40 nights. The Holy Ghost that God has given to us is exactly what we need. Everything we need for our earthly journey is in us. Even the rapture is in us. Everything we need to take a rapture and a body change is already in there. You know why? Because a tree was cut down and we've been pitched within and without. And it don't matter what kind of flood, what kind of storm, what kind of wind, what kind of disease. It doesn't matter what Satan sends your way. It will stand the storms of time. Well, glory. I'm telling you right now, the only reason I'm still standing like I am and preaching like I am because at 15 years of age, God pitched me within and without and I've stood every storm of life not by my might, not by my strength, but by His Spirit, saith the Lord. That's the only way any of us have made it this far. And that's the only way any of us are going to make it all the way through is because a tree was cut down and the life was taken from that tree and put in you. So why should I worry? Why should I fear? He's prepared me for the storm. He's prepared me for the flood. He's prepared me for anything Satan throws my way. Satan just don't know who he's dealing with. He's not dealing with a bunch of stupid idiot humans. He's dealing again with God manifested in the flesh. Because if you don't believe, if you've received the Holy Spirit and you don't believe your God manifested in the flesh, you're a Trinitarian. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll say it again to where those in the back didn't hear me. If you believe that the Holy Ghost in you is not the same life of God, the same life that was in Jesus, you're a Trinitarian. I don't have another God in me. I don't have a different God in me. I've got the only God in me. The same life that was in that tree was put in and out of the gopher wood so it could stand the storm. And I'm going to tell you, listen to me. Some of you fix to go through something. Get ready. Get ready to see the supernatural hand of God because I know the master of the wind. I know the maker of the rain. There's no mountain too tall. There's no valley too low. There's nothing too hard for my God. Oh, but Brother Daniel, I'm facing, I don't care what you're facing. And I, don't, I don't mean that to be ugly. But I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter what you're going through. There is nothing too hard for God. Nothing is anything too hard for the Lord. I ain't found one yet. I ain't found anything that could overcome my God. And when God is in us, there's nothing that can overcome us. He said, you'll overcome even as I overcame. Why should I worry? Why should I fear? I'm headed in the morning 
for my 26th surgery. Brother Daniel, you worried? Not a bit. Because I know whose hands I'm in. I know who's going to be guiding the surgeon's knife. Come on, somebody. I'm not a bit worried. I'm not a bit scared. Because I know whose life I put my life into. Whose hands I put my life into. The steps of a good man. Oh, I'm not a good man, but the one in me is a good man. And by His grace, He has made me righteous. He became me that I might be made the righteousness of God. Come on, somebody. You can't make yourself righteous, but by Him becoming you, you, He made you the righteousness of Himself. Why y'all do me like this? <laughs> I ain't got nothing left. Anybody got an oxygen tank? <laughs> Somebody came to that church. I told you this morning, ain't no telling what might happen tonight. <laughs> Satan can't take the word. Oh, he don't care if you shout and dance, speak in tongues. He don't care about loud music, fast song. He don't care about all that. But when the word comes forth, he starts a shivering and a shaking. Because <laughs> that's the only thing that defeats him. Any church can have a beautiful building. Any church can have good singing. Any church can have emotion, shout, speak. Any church can have that. But not every church has the word. Jesus came, God came in the form of a man called Jesus Christ and overcame Satan three times in the wilderness in such a simple way to the weakest of all Christians can defeat Satan anytime, any place, anywhere. It is written, it is written. Any of us can do that. As long as you've been reading what's written. You got to be reading what's written to tell him what's written. Hallelujah. Glory. Well, glory. Well, I'm 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 59 minutes into my sermon. 59 minutes. Can I stop within an hour? Let's stand. Some of y'all don't want us to stand. <laughs> so don't blame me next time I preach an hour and a half because y'all didn't want to stand when I told you to. Because <laughs> there's something about the word the bride loves to feed on the word of God. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you're not in gross darkness? Aren't you glad he has illuminated your eyes to this glorious light? Brought you out of darkness into his glorious light. The Bible says he is light. And in him there is no shadow turning. So if you're in the light, that means you're in him. Because he is light. Why do you think when Paul seen that pillar of fire, he said, Who are you? Lord. 
What a blessed generation we are. That God once again has visited this generation to write another book of Acts. Oh my, every praise is to our God. I may run around this church. It might be my last chance for a couple weeks. So I might have to move and give me some room. <laughs> Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship in one accord. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Every praise, every praise is to our God. 
peaks seems like everything's going good seems like everything's going fine and an unexpected storm <laughs> oh it might bring me low it'll never bring me down because <laughs> God will only let him take me so far and God says that's enough and then he brings me right back up to the peak I fell from Oh, I'm glad I know him tonight. I'm glad no matter what I go through, I can call upon him. When Peter began to sink, save me, Lord. He was close enough to Jesus. Jesus just reached down and picked him up. If you're going to fall, fall that close to him. Amen. To where he could just reach down. Yes. Pick you back up. <laughs> Don't be too hard on Peter. He did walk on water. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can we sing one more before we go tonight? See what time it is. Oh, it's just right at two hours, so we, everything's all right. We ain't went too awful long. Give me G if you would. Mm, this is what I want every day of my life. This is an old, old hymn of the church, but. 
It ain't never lost its value to me. Jesus, hold my hand. As I travel through the pilgrim land, there is a friend who walks with me. He leads me safely through the sinking sand. It is the Christ of Calvary. This would be my present morning. Stay to help me do the best I can. For I need thy life to guide me day and night. Blessed Jesus, hold my hand. Jesus, hold my hand. I need thee every hour. Protect me by the power Hear my feeble plea Oh dear Lord, look down on me When I hear in prayer I know I'll meet you there Blessed Jesus, hold my hand Like divine that I may see Keep me that I may be holy God and sing redemption song someday I will be a soldier and true ever worthy Take a stand as I onward go and daily meet the foe Blessed Jesus, hold my hand
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> no other person I want beside me. You know, I've said many times that there's no surgery that's minor when it's you. They'll call them, it's just a minor surgery. And they tell me that tomorrow when I go in that I don't have to stay overnight. It's outpatient now. They've come so far in technology, they've replaced my entire joint of my left knee. And then send me home the same day. I'll be up walking before I leave the hospital. I'm thankful for that kind of technology. I don't know about you. <laughs> so that means that I won't have to be out of church that much. <laughs> well, some of you are happy about it. Some of you don't know. <laughs> if we have many more services like this, we ain't going to have too many more services because we're going to take a rapture. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm soaring pretty high right now. <laughs> well, glory. There ain't nothing like the word, especially when it's fresh from the oven of heaven. I can study and study and study, and I do hours and hours and hours. Sometimes I'm up all night long. Y'all are in a coma. And I'm cooking, preparing a meal, getting ready for the next one. See, the way... The way the, the way the mind of a shepherd works is as soon as this service is over tonight, I start immediately preparing for the next one. And as soon as that one is over, I start immediately preparing for the next one. God, what's next? What's next? What's next? What do you have in store for the next one? What do you have in store for the next service? Give me your inspiration. Give me your unction. Give me your leadership. Give me your guidance. There's people that have needs. They want you to speak. They don't want to come hear me. They want to hear you. And I could study and study hours and hours and get up here and God said, okay, all that you studied is not for tonight. And I'm like, uh, okay, then give me what is for tonight. I've walked out of that door more times than one. I've lost my little notes. And trust me, they're little. It's my notes for tonight. These are my songs. I walk out that door, and God say, preach from this scripture. <laughs> and you come to a place, some of you, Brother Basile will understand this, Brother Isaac could understand this, but you come to a place in your ministry, you learn to yield. Because you know he's a better preacher than you are. It don't matter what my notes say. It don't matter what I've studied. If he's got something different, I want to be a yielded vessel. That he can speak whatever needs to be spoken at that particular time. And it may be just for one person, but thank God it was for one person. If Jesus would cross the Sea of Galilee through the storm. For the sake of one. Brother Brown told Brother Billy Paul the first night of a series of meetings. I don't know how many days the meetings was, but usually it was quite a long time. He'll hold a series of meetings, 7, 10, 15 days. 
the first night a soul come to the Lord and he told Billy Paul he said okay we came what we came to God did what we came for him to do so the rest of the meetings will just have prayer line one soul that's how mindful God is of you that's how much he loves you he will orchestrate a whole entire service from the opening song to the final amen just for you that's how much he loves you I don't know how many times he has taken me in directions and I had no idea why no idea who it was for it ain't up to me he don't have he don't, he don't have to tell me who it's for but usually I end up finding out because people can't get to me fast enough after service because Hebrews 4.12 if that, if that is not in effect in this service in this church every service you need to find yourself another pastor yep I want the word to discern every service. Yes, sir. At least one heart. And if we have the word, it will discern. I don't have to know who it is. That ain't up to me. It's just up to me to yield to him. Be a conduit. Be a channel. And let him speak directly to whoever needs to be spoken to. And I trust the word found good ground tonight. Again, if you would remember Sister Nellie and, and, and the loss of her son and also Sister Frankie and Brother Greg and Sister Frankie's uncle and <clears throat> just hold them up before the Lord in prayer. Uh, God knows how to comfort, my friend. Uh, we, can, we can do things. We can say things. We can pray. We can do the part that we can do as, as uh, fellow believers. But the ultimate comfort comes from Him. Because He promised when He left, I'm going. My flesh is going, but I'm going to send the comforter back and so remember them in prayer if you would many of us have been in those places and lost people that's near and dear to us and, and at those times our, we just become weak and it's, it's uh, the, the flesh misses them and wants them back and just go through it's, just, it's, it's a horrible thing to lose somebody that you love and near and dear to you but death is a part of life and I've, I've come to the understanding th- through many <laughs> times of suffering of losing people that I dearly loved come to the understanding that death is a, as much a part of life as a new baby being born because if you just imagine if we didn't have the avenue of death and we just kept living and living and living and getting older and older and uglier and uglier grayer and grayer balder and balder whatever the case there was no avenue of death to get us out of here Death doesn't always have to be bad. Death can be a blessing. So people don't have to suffer no more. So if you would just continue to hold them up before the Lord. And in the morning I have to be at St. Mary's Hospital in Athens. And uh, I don't know what time the surgery is is actually going to be. They usually don't tell you the time of the surgery. They just tell you what time to be there so they can start sticking needles in you. And... uh, Putting, up, putting on that uh, that gown. <laughs> if 
you you think after all these years that somebody would invent something a little bit more modest. <laughs> Somebody, somebody's got to be smarter than that. I could have come up with that. Uh, but anyway, they got to prep you and do all this stuff and get you ready for surgery. And and apparently by the time I'm, they want me there at 5:45, I'm I'm going to be the the first surgery of the morning, which I'm glad because I hate waiting. We all hate waiting. Go ahead and say amen. We hate waiting. Sitting in the hospital room and just waiting for your turn. So getting there at 545, it looks like that, that my sur surgery is scheduled to be first, which I, I had actually prayed that my surgery would be first so I could go ahead and get it over with. And then, uh, then I can get home quickly and, and my sweet wife can start taking care of me. <laughs> Oh, don't worry, I'm going to milk it <laughs> as long as I can. And then when she has enough, she says, get up, ain't nothing wrong with you. Get up, go get up. <laughs> they know. <laughs> they know. When you've milked it long enough, they know. <laughs> they, they get tired of waiting on your hand to foot. Get up, get it yourself. I'm busy. i got to clean the house. I've been waiting on you hand and foot for two weeks. Get up and get it yourself. <laughs> But God has certainly given me a wonderful wife. She's, listen, you just, unless you've been there and have, having to be the caretaker of somebody that's been through 26, well, tomorrow will be 26 surgeries. And uh, she's been right there. Every time I would ring that little bell, here she comes. No, I'm just kidding. I don't have no bell. <laughs> ring, you know. Ring, dong, you ring. <laughs> Some of you don't. Uh, but I thank God for a, for a helpmate that can be there for me and help me. Uh, because when you're in a situation that, with, your, with your knees like that, and ain't much you can do but lay. They want you to get up, you know, every so many hours and get a little exercise and then lay back down and keep your foot elevated and keep ice on it. And all this stuff you got to go through. And then two days, they want me to go to, to the House of Horrors two days after my surgery. The House of Horrors, that's rehab. That's where them demon-possessed people take my knee that had just been operated on. It had 36 staples, and they start twisting and bending. And I have never wanted to hit somebody so bad in my life than those people that do rehab. <laughs> but, you know, no pain, no gain, right? They want you to have flexibility. They want you to get it back as close as normal, so they got to push you to the limit. And uh, so... The surgery's not no big deal. It really isn't. It's the rehab. That's the big deal. Got to go two, sometimes three times a week um, to try to get things back to as normal as possible. And I, I, I'll tell you this before I let you go. I'll be so glad not to be walking with a limp no more. Uh, for a year and a half, for a year and a half, this leg has been nearly an inch longer than this one. And I've had, I've had to put uh, uh, thick insoles in this shoe to kind of level me out. And uh, it's very hard on your hips and your lower back. Uh, if, you, if, you don't have, if I don't have that thing in my shoe, it's been very painful uh, for the year and a half. But I didn't feel like it was time to, to do the other one. But at this point, uh, it really... My back's against the wall. Um, I'm, not, I'm not in a tremendous amount of pain, but 
I'm in pain, but the worst part about it is, is my legs are uneven, and that's that causes more problems. So uh, the only way to fix that is for him to change this joint out to match this one, and that way everything will be level and I can walk straight again. And uh, so that part I'm looking forward to be able to walk without a limp. And uh, if medical science, God has to use medical science to do that, then whatever his will is is what I want to do. Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not against those things, obviously. God uses those avenues and works through those avenues. But like Brother Brian said earlier, that I could get there in the morning and they could do another x-ray and say, hey, what are you doing here? I said, well, I was told I had to have a knee replacement. They say anything. They could say anything wrong with your knee. Go home. Well, that's what happened to Sister Mita. And he's still the same God. So whatever he chooses is what I want to happen. If I have to go through with it, then he'll, he'll hold my hand and he'll take me through it. So if you would, I know y'all will be in a coma at 545 when I go to the hospital. But sometime in the morning, if God puts me on your heart, just whisper a prayer for me as I go through that surgery. And uh, I know God uh, will be there with us and uh, take, take care of us. He's always took good care of us, so I have no worry of that. Uh, it's just getting from point A to point B. Uh, so I appreciate your prayers in advance and uh, looking forward to seeing you back in a couple weeks. Yeah, I had, I had uh, contemplating canceling tonight's service because of uh, standing so long. After a while, you, I, I do start get, having a whole lot of pain uh, standing on the knee for quite a while. That's uh, very painful standing that long, but um, I never could get a release to cancel the service. I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> just, just look what we would have missed if I'd have canceled service. So, I knew I was going to have to get up early in the morning, or I might not even go to bed. Who knows? Uh, stay up all night, then go to the hospital in the morning. So, if you would, just sometime tomorrow, just hold me before the Lord in prayer. We'll keep you updated by text through Brother Brian or or by social media, one or the other, and let you know how how the progress is doing. Of course. We'll go ahead and tell you that the progress will be just fine. Amen. Everything will be all right. Let's just bow our heads and pray before we go. Eternal Father, once again, we bow our head in your presence, thanking you, oh God, for this service that you've given us, for this day that you've given us. These two services, Lord, have been supernatural. You've came in the form of your word, and you've anointed me, and you've inspired me, and you've given me the unction, Lord, to say things and to preach things, Lord, that was fresh God that I didn't even study out you brought them out while I was preaching you anointed me and you put the pieces of the puzzle together while I was preaching I began to see things while I was preaching that I hadn't seen before and only you can do that only you can open up our eyes of enlightenment to see the light of the hour and to see present day truth and we want to be like that one leper we want to come back and say thank you we, want to, we don't ever want to fail to give you thanks for what you've done, for what you're doing, and what you're going to do. So God, thank you once again. Keep your people safe. God, we pray for Sister Frankie's family, the loss of her uncle, Lord, and Wayne and Sherry, and the loss of her aunt, God, and Lord, Sister Nellie Hughley, God, and losing her son, God, we just pray. I can't even fathom, Lord, burying a child 
can't even fathom that. But Lord, you are the comforter. So we pray that you would go to her, Father, and you would comfort her, strengthen her at this time of grief and bereavement, Lord. Give her peace that passeth understanding. We commit her into your hands, Lord. As we leave from this place, be with every vehicle, every person driving. I hear the wind outside. I don't know if it's storming. I don't know what the weather report is. But God, you promised in your word that the angels of God would encamp round about those that love and fear you. So God, keep us all safe to our destination. God, in the morning, as I face the surgeon's knife, God, once again, may the angels line that room. And God, may you guide the surgeon's hand. May everything go perfectly, God. No complications whatsoever. I place myself and... And the doctors and nurses, we, I place all of us into your hands, God, that everything will turn out perfectly all right. We believe it and we call it done. Looking unto you, the author and the finish of our faith. Be with us. Keep us safe. Bring us back at the appointed time. In Jesus' name we ask it for the glory of God. And the saints said, Amen. and the saints said, Amen. give me that key again, the key of G. You're my brother. You're my sister. So take me by the hand Together we will work Till he comes There is no foe that can defeat us When we're walking side by side As long as there is love We will stand You're my brother You're my sister Take me by the hand the work till he comes there is no foe that can defeat us when we're walking side by side as long as there is love we will stand sing it one more time you're my brother you're my sister take me by the hand oh together we will work till he comes there is no foe that can defeat us We're walking side by side As long as there's love, we will stand God bless you, go in the fear of God You can be dismissed